James chapter 1. I love this chapter. I got a lot out of it this morning. I hope you did. And I thank God for the powerful Word of God that engrafts to our soul and makes us more like Jesus. And that's the bottom line. Amen? And you know something, you know, when, when one air conditioned unit goes out, it makes us appreciate just being in an air conditioned facility. Amen? Uh, we ought to go outside and just have an outside service sometime. We did that one July 4th and I had so much sweat dropping off my glasses I couldn't see and what a, what a wimp, that's all I can say, amen, man, it was tough, and mosquitoes hitting us on the head and dying before they could hit the ground, and, uh, but it was something. So you can have the outside services and tent revivals, hallelujah, I like this air-conditioned facility, amen, but um, let me say, announce, Brother Sammy Allen took a long time at our prostate announcing that they're going to have the camp meeting this week, and he wants you down there, amen, so me and Brother Rick Spencer are going to go down there in the morning. Uh, he said he didn't want to go by himself. I don't know what in the world he's scared of, Brother Travis. God, he was raised there. Uh, and um, then uh, Brother Eddie Killian's having their 170th anniversary and having a tremendous preacher that's really out of this ministry. Brother Ricky Gravely was saved as a bus kid out of the church we started in Chatsworth. And I'm telling you what, he preached one of the best messages I've ever heard on what the call of preaching meant. I can't wait to get that for Brother Blaine, Brother Ben, and all you preachers. Uh, on uh, what it means to be called of God to preach. Tremendous message. He'll be there every night at 7 o'clock. I believe the Rochesters are singing and the Roland family's singing and they'll have a lot of preaching. It's a good church. Nellie Head Baptist Memorial Baptist Church in Tunnel Hill, Georgia. All right, I've, I've got three messages on my heart, so I'm going to narrow it down to one since it's so hot. I was going to preach all three of them, see if y'all could take it. But... Um, I want, to pre- I want to review just a little bit, and I want to kind of, I, I feel like I just touched on the hem of the garment of the message yesterday or last Sunday night. It's amazing. I had more compliments about that message than any message I ever preached. Uh, these 10-minute messages get a lot of compliments. Amen. I praise God. Do that again. You know, but it won't happen. But anyway, uh, look at uh, James chapter 1 and uh, verse, um, I want you to look at verse um, 13. Uh, I'm going to go back to verse 13 through, through, um, through 18. 13 through 18, okay? And I just want to summarize and back up a little bit on this first fruits of the creatures. That we're first fruits of the creatures. And uh, I'd like to preach a message entitled tonight, Brother Cody, God's gifts are better than Satan's bargains. God's gift is better than Satan's bargain. Can somebody smile about that? Some of you have been conned with uh, Satan's bargains, and they turned out not to be bargains. You paid for it dearly. Amen? A lot of people think you can get away with sin, but I'm telling you something. Payday, someday. And so there's four reasons that we should not be overcome with temptations. I feel like I need to back up. I was just going to preach on verse 26 and 27 about being unspotted from the world, but it goes right along with this is that, folks, God's gifts are better than Satan's bargains. Let's stand on the Word of God. If Men, if you'd like to take off your coats, you can. And don't take off your shirts, please. This is your coat. will be fine. Amen. It's not that hot. It's all in your mind. And by the fact, the, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight rows are calling your name, and it's so cold down here we can't hardly stand it. That was, that was a stretch, amen. 
That was ministerially speaking. This is a bold face. Like Brother Randy says, that's just a bald face lie. And I don't like that term. I don't like it at all. All right, look at verse 13. Let's get, let's get to preaching. Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It says, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth death. When lust is conceived, it bringeth forth death. Um, or excuse me, when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begot he us with the, with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege and honor to preach your word of God one more time. Lord, thank you, dear God, that I preached over 8,000 messages from this pulpit, or this auditorium, this sanctuary. And Lord, it's not old yet. And I thank you, dear God, that every day is a day of adventure and serving you. And Lord, I just love preaching. I love the Word of God. I love the ministry. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to always, always love you more than we even love the ministry. So Lord, please help us now. And help us to preach as we preach on God's gifts are better than Satan's bargains. Help us not to fall to temptation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible says that if we are really welcoming the Word of God, that we'll have a religion, a pure religion that's undefiled before God and the Father, and that's to visit the fatherless and the widows and in their affliction and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Uh, I was at a yard sale minding my own business, and I found two double X um, Krispy Kreme t-shirts. I said, glory to God, that's for me. I had the symbol, Krispy Kreme. Everybody thinks I'm a representative of Krispy Kreme. I was probably big as the Pillsbury Doughboy when that happened, amen? But anyway, I don't think I represent that now, but I, I need to keep working on it. But I want to tell you something. I remember the, one of those Krispy Kreme t-shirts, I got a spot on it, changing the oil, Brother Stephen. And I'm going to tell you something, it became spotted. And I'm going to tell you what I did with that Krispy Kreme t-shirt. Every time that I had something nasty to do, guess what I did? I pulled out the spotted t-shirt. Every time that I knew I was going to sweat and mess it up, and every time that I painted, oh yes, I'm the sloppiest painter in the world. God help me when I get a paintbrush in my hands. And Brother Howard is joining me, amen. But anyway... Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, painting's not my forte, but I'd get out that spotted shirt. And I want to tell you something. The Bible says that we ought to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. And I believe that's a warning that we need to realize that sin is aggressive, it's addictive, and it's deadly. And folks, we need to abstain from even the appearance of evil, the Bible says. So don't go around it. Don't meddle, uh, uh, hang around the people that uh, sin and, and uh, listen to their music and, and read their literature and... Don't, don't delve into the things in the privacy of your home and the computer that'll, that'll poison your mind. 
And so we need to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, but how do you do that? Well, I'm going to give you four things real quick in this chapter that helps us overcome the world and thus not be spotted from the world. Number one, write it down, verse 13 through 16, we need to consider God's judgment of sin. I want to tell you something, there's an end to sin. There's a great preacher, um, and his name just slipped me. His name was, um, oh my goodness, payday someday. R.G. Lee. Yeah, I was was thinking J. Harold Smith too. R.G. Lee. Payday someday. Told about all the times that sin would come back and Jezebel and and Ahab and how uh, the arrow was thrown by chance and pierced him in the, and and then they put the blood, emptied the blood out right where they said they would do it, right outside the wall. And friend, all the times that sin paid a a very bad wage. I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible says, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with either, neither tempt he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Now, folks, here's the anatomy of sin. This is how to prevent yourself from falling into sin. And some of you say, I'd never do that. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people out of church tonight that said they would never fall. And they've committed terrible sins. and It's ruined their lives. The normal desires of life are given to us by God, but not, not temptation. They're not sinful. Hunger is not sinful. Can somebody say amen? When you don't want to eat, you're usually sick. Say amen. Or you're on one of those crazy diets. But I'll tell you something, friend. You want to eat more then. Say amen right there. Amen. Uh, and then thirst is not a sin. Uh, uh, fatigue is not a sin. It's a gift from God. God help us to get tired once in a while so we'll go to sleep and not blow our system wide open with a heart attack. Say amen. Hey, sex is a gift from God, but outside of marriage, it's sin. Amen. Come on now. Laziness is a sin. Drinking liquor is a sin. Say amen. Too much buttermilk probably is too. Amen. No, it's sin. Hunger is a sin. Uh, Not a sin, but gluttony is a sin. Y'all didn't think I'd ever mention that from the pulpit, but it's the truth, amen? And you notice I didn't preach that right before the homemade ice cream. But anyway, we want to satisfy these desires in a way that's fleshly and outside the will of God with gluttony, laziness, adultery. It's sin. So here's how, how it works. God gives us natural desires. He wants us to fulfill those natural desires and the boundaries of marriage and the boundaries of uh, of, uh, of, of, of drinking water, which is supposed to be the greatest thing you can ever drink. Don't you love water? Hallelujah. But when we meet these desires outside the will of God, then it is sin. So first you have desire, then you have deception. In verse 14 it says, and when we're drawn away, and that drawn away means allurement, and I referred to that a couple of, months, uh, a couple of weeks ago about the uh, fisherman bait and my, my pappy using that topwater hidden torpedo and how he'd lure those fish into the thing. It's a real frog jumping on that water when it was just a piece of wood with six hooks in it. But folks, sin will draw you away. It'll lure you. It's the idea of baiting the trap. And then we see disobedience in verse 15. It says, Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now listen to this. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Folks, we move from um, emotions, desire, and from intellect, deception, And we go to the will, the will of man. And folks, James changes the picture from hunting and fishing to the birth of a baby. And the desire conceives in a method 
of taking the bait. It, 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 the will approves the act. And what's the result? Sin. And I'll tell you, the greatest judgment in your life is when the Lord lets sin take its course. It'll take you lower than you ever thought you'd go. It'll cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. And it'll hurt you and your family more than you ever thought it would. So number one, James says, you should not fall to temptation because there's a judgment on sin. The results of sin is death. And folks, we need to realize we don't go by our feelings. We don't go by our attractions. We don't go by what seems natural and what seems fleshly and what seems satisfying. What we do is if it's in this book, we do it. I saw a bumper sticker one time in Statesboro, Georgia. I almost ran into it. It said, if it feels good, do it. I almost ran into the bumper. So I, I can't believe that philosophy. And that was in the 70s. And now if it feels good, oh my, are they doing it? But folks, it's not if it feels good. It's if it's in this word. And then we see death. Disobedience gives way to the birth of death. And, for, it, and folks, it takes sometimes years for that sin to mature and when it does, it results in death. The serpent uses a desire to interest Eve. Knowledge. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. And then food. There's nothing wrong with food. But there's something wrong when she disobeyed God and took that fruit of that tree and shared it with her husband and disobeyed God and sin plunged into the human tragedy called death. And Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21 says, Through one man's sin, sin entered into this world. And so folks, listen, there is a payday someday and both Adam and Eve experienced immediate spiritual death, separation from God, and then ultimately physical death. And folks, listen, all through the Bible, the book of Proverbs talks about the end of sin. If you could only have the wisdom of God to open up the book of Proverbs and really look. Look at Proverbs chapter 5 just for instance. The Bible says, My son, attend to my wisdom and, and bow thine head ear to understanding. Proverbs 5 now. That thou mayest regard discretion. You know what that means? Make a decision based on the wisdom of God and the Word of God. And folks, one of the things that you ought to realize is it's payday someday. It's payday someday. There is a consequence for sin. There is. I, I, I look sometimes and, and I really get upset with this and I'm almost ready to get off of it. It's people advertise where they're at on Sunday when they ought to be in church. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I, I think if you're going to sin, don't tell everybody where you're at. You say, oh, I'll just be honest and open. Well, listen, I want to tell you something. It's a lack of conviction, and it's also a lack of decency to tell, to tell people that you're sinning. And folks, Facebook can be full of sin, and they glamorize it, and they okay it, and they marginalize it, and, and pasteurize it. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to be, we ought to be scared to death of what sin could do in our life. What it could do to our marriage. What it could do to our children. And folks, listen, this, this sin of adultery. The Bible says that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. Now I want to show you how sin works. Look at verse 3 of chapter 5, please. I'm talking about how to prevent adultery. One of the worst sins you could ever commit. I can't imagine my wife being unfaithful to me. I can't imagine the heartache. I can't imagine the hurt. But look at this. It says in verse 3, For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. 
Now, I don't know why I'm dwelling on this, but I want to tell you something, friend. Most of the time before there's a physical affair, there's an emotional affair. That's why texting is so dangerous. You should not text and flirt with the opposite sex. Say amen. I mean, men, don't you play around with fire. You'll get burned. And folks, the smooth words is always, well, I wish my husband treated me like you would treat me. Uh, you know, and then they start, they start blasting their husband with these, uh, with these sensual texts, you know. Well, he's never around, and, you know, he don't meet my needs. And, and what you do is you sit there and you just say, man, I'd do that. I could do that. And folks, it's a trap. It's smoother than oil. But look at verse 4. I love the Bible. Don't you? I love what the Bible says about uh, this. It says, and her end is bitter as wormwood. You know what wormwood is in the Bible? Poison. It'll kill you. It'll kill your marriage. It'll kill your relationship with your children. It's not God's will for you to have visitation rights with your kids. Some of these boys are going off to, to uh, camp, and already I can tell daddy's got DTs. Now the kids, they, they're glad to get away from you. But I'm telling you, parents are saying, oh my word, five days without my honey. What am I going to do? Now some of you might be opposite. You might be celebrating and packing up and going on vacation. Hoping vaca hope they come back from Sand Mountain. But I want to tell you something. Can you imagine never being around them? That's the wage of sin. It says, her sin's not mine. I understand you ain't done nothing wrong. It's always the other party. But I want to tell you this, friend. It says it's sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to what? Death. Her steps take hold on hell. And it says, lest thou shouldst ponder the path of her life. Her ways are immovable, and thou canst not know them. It's deceiving. Hear me now, verse 7, listen. O ye children, depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove the way far, move thy way far from her, and come not nigh to the door of her house. Don't even come near it. Don't start flirting. Don't start texting. Don't start uh, secret admiring and junk. Uh, the emotional affair will get you every time. It says, Lest thou give thine honor to others, and thy years unto the cruel. Now listen to this. Let strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, how have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof? I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ears to them that instruct me. I'll tell you something, the greatest prevent, preventive maintenance for the judgment of sin is stay in church and get filled with the Word. Amen. Amen. Look at this. I will almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And then here's the solution for it. Listen now. Please, please listen. It says, Drink water out of thine own system and running water out of thy own well. You know what that's saying? Have an affair in your own marriage. That means, hey, keep it exciting. That means have a date night. Go on vacation together. That's a good idea. I mean, together. <laughs> Enjoy each other. Give gifts to each other. Do what you did before you got married. After you get married, you won't get unmarried. Say amen. You even talked to her during the day. You even called her. You even sent cards. You don't even like cards. You sent flowers. You thought it was a waste of money. But you was dating her and you was courting her. But praise God, you got her now and you just take her for granted. That's a man's mentality. Capture mentality. No, folks, keep the water running. 
It means keep it fresh at home. Amen? Praise God. I'm telling you. Ladies, remember this now. There's somebody out there that's flaunting herself at your husband. That's all. He's too old. Hey, there's old ladies doing that. Amen? But anyway, look at this. <laughs> look at this now. Look at verse 15. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and the rivers of water in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not as strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind, a pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. You say, I think that's too explicit. No, I think sin's too explicit by what it'll do to you in an affair. Look at this. And why would thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the, bo- embrace the bosom of the stranger? For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord. Fear God, fear God, fear God. And, be, and listen to this. And, and, and he pondereth all his goings. Now here's the end. I, I read all that chapter to get to the last of it. It says in verse 12, 22. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of sin. It'll keep you a lot longer than you thought it would. It'll be addictive. It'll be damaging. It'll be deadly. If you could only see the end of sin, you'd never enter it. Say amen. Come on. And then look at verse 23. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of folly, he shall go astray. And on and on, every chapter, every chapter, every chapter, Chapter 1 through 7, it ends with a strict warning. There's judgment of sin. So number one, you ought to realize and consider the judgment of God. Number two, real quick, you ought to consider the good, God's goodness. God gives only good gifts. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse 17. And he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. So this is connected. He's trying to say, hey, listen, don't blame God when you're tempted. And don't just delve into sin thinking you get away with it. The wage of it is death, destruction, and a lot of damage. But then it says, hey, don't err, my brother. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of the lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Folks, listen, only God gives good gifts. And here's the number one trick of the devil. Lord's holding out on you. That's the fantasy of an affair. Come on. Hey, she'll meet your needs better. It'll be more exciting. It'll be more thrilling. And the scintillating deception of, of hell gets a hold of you, and you start trying to play playboy or playgirl. Is that a term, playgirl? I don't know. God, help us. Marriage is too precious to play around. Say amen. And mess around. That's South Georgian, mess around. Hurry back, girls. Y'all need this message, whether you're young or not. I don't care. Hey, listen. Listen to me. I'm telling you, friend, God's good. And God gives you a gift. It's not junk. And what you need and what you have, you ought to be satisfied with. Say amen. But the devil's ploy is this. He wants to say, Eve, God's holding out on you. If you'll eat the fruit of the tree, you'll be your own God. You'll have knowledge. But he didn't tell her the second half of the truth. The wage of sin is death. I'm telling you, the goodness of God is a great barrier against yielding to the temptations of Satan. Since God is good, we don't need Satan's bargains. We don't need Satan's offers. And we don't need to let him bait us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When Moses got over 
near the promised land, or maybe he was in the promised land, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he told them how not to backslide. And they did anyway. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 15 real quick. Real quick. Amen? I know you're hot. God bless you. We're all weak Americans in air condition. I'm about to burn up myself. Amen. Praise the Lord. I should have preached on hell. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want you to look at verse 10. The Bible says this, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee in a land which he sweared unto his fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. He's going to bless you with Canaan and all these great places flowing milk and honey. But look at verse 11. And houses full of all good things, thou fillest not, wells dig, thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and in the house of bondage. They were slaves. Now they had everything. And they forgot it. Look at verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord, excuse me, yeah, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and hath sweared by His name. You shall not go after other gods, and they did, of the gods of the people which are around about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. He's jealous. Lest thou anger of the Lord, listen, lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off the face of the earth. He said, Don't forget God. Don't forget the liberation. Don't forget the salvation. Folks, listen, one of the greatest bears is not just the judgment of sin, but the goodness of God. God is good. Can somebody say amen? And let me just add this He's good all the time. And He's a lot better to you than the devil will be to you. Because the devil's a slave master. The, devil, the Father in heaven's a great Father. And then not only uh, the, the uh, gifts, uh, the, you consider God's gifts, but you need to consider the way God gives is good. The way God gives is good. You know why He gives to you? He loves you. He's gracious. What He gives and how He gives are both good. He's got a pure motive. You know, a lot of us do this. We give to get. Amen. Let's make a deal. If I scratch his back, maybe he'll scratch my back. And we've always got these ulterior motives. But folks, God don't have an ulterior motive. He loves you just like you are. And just like you were. A child of of hell. The child of the devil. Lost and not looking for God. And he loved you. And folks, I believe it's a shame when we turn... From His gift and His love and love the world and love sin and love ourself. The goodness of God is great. And then not only is he, he, he gives good gifts, but it's the way He gives good gifts, gracious, but He gives constantly. Cometh down, the Bible says, cometh down. Present participle. That means it keeps on coming down. He keeps on blessing you. Hey, listen, friend, let me just ask you a question. Where'd you get the last breath you drew? And with each breath I take, brother Nathan, I'll worship him. That song you gave me, I can't get away from it. With each breath that you give me, I will worship you. That ought to be our attitude. 
Lord, this is the day the Lord's made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Folks, you've spared me. God, you've spared me. You, 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 you've uh, blessed me with a good wife. You've blessed me with children. And I'm not going to walk off and desert you and slap you in the face and shake my fist at you, God, and go for Satan's bargains. And then not only does he give constantly and, gives, and he gives good and he gives good gifts, but God does not change. There's no shadow and he's the father of lights. He gives good gifts. And he keeps on giving good gifts. If you look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, you'll find out why David murdered and committed adultery. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. This will help you now. This will help you. I'll try to shut her down in about 15 minutes. If y'all listen quick, I'll preach quick. Y'all listen slow, I'll preach slow. But look at this. Everybody's saying, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. I wish I didn't enjoy preaching so much. I just enjoy myself. Praise God. I've never enjoyed preaching more in my life. Help me, Jesus. I feel too comfortable. But anyway, listen. David. He didn't, first of all, he was committing the sin of omission. He should have been 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. It was the spring rain, after the spring rains when the king should lead his people. 2 Samuel chapter 11. He decided he was just big shot and he was the king. He'd do what he wanted to and he wasn't going to obey God's command to go out on the warfare, go out on the war front, and go, go do what God told him to do. So he did the sin of omission, stayed at home, looked out over the palace and there was this beautiful woman. It's always a beautiful woman. Bathing. And he looked, which was a temptation, but then he probably looked again and that was sin. And then he took her in his mind, and then he said, I'm king, praise God, I can take her anyway. And he called for her, came, came to the palace, and he committed adultery. Bathsheba was Uriah's wife, his general, his greatest commander. And he took Bathsheba into, and, and committed adultery, and then here came the results of sin. She conceived, was going to have a child. And so what he did... He said, okay, Joab, Secretary of War, at the heat of the battle, everybody pulled back because he brought Uriah home, got him drunk, and he still wouldn't be with his wife because he was trying to cover his sin. It's all found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. It's amazing that he stooped this low. And so he sent a death note by his own hand and said, give this to uh, Joab. And it said, at the heat of the battle, pull back. They did it, left Uriah out there, and he was killed. That's first degree murder. King David. And then to cover his sin even further, he says, okay, I'll be the benevolent king. I will take Bathsheba as my wife. And all the providence began to applaud. What a great, benevolent, wonderful king we have. But the Bible says in that last verse, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 27, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And so God had to get his attention and he brought Nathan, the prophet. He said, I want to give you a little parable. This is the parable. This man had a bunch of sheep, a bunch of sheep. That's David with all his wives and all his goodness and all his goods and all his palace and all his riches. But there was one other guy who had just a, one, a little ewe lamb. That's a pet lamb, only lamb he had. That's Uriah and that's Bathsheba. That's all he had was Bathsheba. 
And he said, the one that had all the lambs and all the sheep stole the ewe lamb. David, what would you do? David said, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd make him restore fourfold and I'd kill the man. And Nathan, like a good old preacher did, pointed his long finger at him and said, Thou art the man! And you know what David probably said in his heart? Oops. Payday. Someday. But you know what I love about, you know what I love about Nathan? He had some, as I talked to you yesterday about, he had some teaching in his preaching. Not all teaching's preaching, but preaching better have some teaching. The Word of God. And Nathan said to David after he sinned, he says, Thou art the man. Look at verse 7, 2 Samuel 12, look real quick. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I have, listen to this, and I gave thee thy master's house. He's talking to David after he sinned. And he said, and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel. He said, I blessed you to be king of Judah. And if that had not been too little, I would moreover have given to thee such and such things. He said, I'm going to tell you, David, God's telling me to tell you this. After this sin, after this adultery, after this murder, God has been good to you. And let me say this, if you're tempted to sin, I want to remind you, God has been good to you. And then here's the key. Verse 9, Wherefore hast thou despised the commandments of the Lord? And then he goes down to verse 10 and says, And therefore... The sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me, thus saith the Lord. Now what's the word despise mean? It means counted as ordinary. Counted as usual. Low rated. All those blessings. My marriage. My children. It's just ordinary. Everybody else has them. Praise God, I'll take them for granted. And when you do that, you're putting yourself up for the bargains of hell. When you forget how good God's been to you and how He's blessed you and He's helped you, how He's sustained you and He gave you such and such things if you just asked. And then you sin, David. He said the reason is because you despise, you've taken for granted what? His commandments. He took for granted the Word of God. He took for granted coming to church. Hey, friend, he stopped coming on Sunday night. He stopped coming on Wednesday night. He stopped coming to Sunday school, and then every time he had something else to do, guess what he did? He didn't even come to church at all. I'm not talking about vacation. I mean, everybody needs a vacation. Praise God. You need a vacation from me. Praise God. But listen, listen, I'm talking about just taking for granted God. You're opening yourself up for the bargains of the devil. So let me just say this. First of all, it's the judgment of God that will be a barrier for temptation. Number two, the goodness of God should be a bearer. How He gives. How often He gives. David was tempted, 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 and he, the, he toyed with the bait that Satan put up. And then, and then third of all, real quick, if you want to have a great barrier to sin, look at verse 18, James chapter 1. We'll close. It says, Of His own will begot He us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of His creature. Folks, he, listen, he, you ought to consider the divine nature. He said, of his own will begot he us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits, the first fruits 
of His creatures. And just as He, you know, just as we we didn't generate our own birth. Who created yourself? That's why evolution is so devilish. We cannot generate our spiritual birth. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it is God who saves us. And the Bible says right here, of His own will, but God, He us. That means He planted in you a divine nature. He saved your soul. He lives within you. And folks, it's divine, that nature. And it's gracious. You're born of the Spirit. And the Bible says you're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, 1 Peter 1.23. It's through the Word of God. He says He begot you what? through the truth, the Word of truth. And then it's the finest birth possible. He says, to become the first fruits of His creatures. Let me just close with this thought. You're the best God's got on this earth. I hate to say this, friend, you cat lovers. Cats don't go to heaven. I know I just blew your mind. You think horses did, so cats do. But cats don't have souls. Cats can't realize they're a sinner. What can cats do? No, I won't say that. Dogs don't go to heaven. Frogs don't go to heaven. Birds don't go to heaven. That's why if you want to shoot one and eat one, that's between you and the hunter. You want to shoot Bambi? Go ahead, hunters. Go out there and do it. Amen. They don't have a soul, but men have a soul. They're the first fruit of God's creatures. And I just want to say this, friend. James wrote to the Jewish believers that they're first fruits. First fruits of the Lord means they express their devotion. We ought to honor the Lord with the first fruits. We bring a sample of the first fruits before we ever take any of the har- harvest. We give God the first fruits. Folks, it's a higher birth means a higher life. And let me just say this. One of the greatest barriers to temptation is this. It ought to be below your dignity. You're a Christian. You're a child of the King. You have His divine nature. And let me just say this. If you do sin, and you will sin, It'll be because you didn't yield to His nature. Because there's a divine nature inside of you. And the Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, and this really stumped me for a long time, His seed cannot sin. So if you yield to the Spirit of God, you will not sin. You know when you sin? When you yield to the natural man. When you, when you sin, when you yield to the flesh. When you yield to the old nature. When you don't read your Bible and pray and come to church and you kind of get lax and say, well, and I, and I exhort our new members, be faithful. Man, I, you know, I was talking to you on the porch, Brother Tommy, and you said, you know, one of the biggest regrets I have is I've been out of church so long and, and my daughter's not saved. And praise God, two weeks later she got saved. But that's grace. That's the grace of God. And, then, you know, I want to tell you something, friend. We pay a wage and we ought to pray for bankruptcy. We ought to pray for crop failure. Say amen. Of our lackadaisical sin sometimes. But I want to tell you something, friend. Listen. Listen to me real quick. Is that God has put a divine nature in your life. And thank the Lord we can yield to the Spirit of God and not have to sin. Not give in to sin. The greatest barrier is that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And praise God if you'll just yield to Him and not to them or yourself. You can have victory over sin.
You say, well, I thought we'd all sin. Yeah, but that's not an excuse. You know, listen, well, I thought we'd save no matter what. That's an excuse. It's not a license to sin. It's a license to love God. We ought to sin less as we grow. There was a chief one time got saved, didn't understand nothing. But he understood something happened in his life. And after a while, a missionary came and says, what's happened since you've been saved? He says, well, I've got a, and he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He says, I've got a, a black dog living in me and a white dog living in me. He says, well, what, and what's happening? He says, inside they're fighting all the time. He didn't know how to describe it. He said, what are they doing? They're fighting all the time. And the missionary said, well, who wins? He says, the one I feed the most. And I want to tell you something. The one you feed the most wins. You, you drop out of church for a month and see how your marriage goes. Hey, you stop reading your Bible for a month and see how weak you are when Jezebel comes up to you. Or let me just reverse that because women always think I'm picking on you. When old Casanova comes up to you. Old playboy. Old God's gift to all women. Kisses himself in the mirror before he walks into the office. Yeah, let's see how strong you are then. I'll tell you what, you'll be as weak as water because your flesh is dominating. You haven't been in the Bible. You haven't had that barrier of God's nature yielded to Him, overcoming the devil and answering the door when the devil knocks at your door. Folks, listen, there's four great barriers to temptation to keep us unspotted from the world. The barrier of judgment, the consideration of of His goodness and the consideration of His divine nature. And praise God the consideration that you're the finest first fruit of God's creation. And you're living beneath your God-given privilege if you're living according to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Because He lives. He lives in you. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the message. Lord, use it. God, help us when we're tempted. Help us to remember it. Help us to take note when we're in the dark, lonely place. When we're out of town, nobody would know if we sinned except you. God, when we're tempted greatly. Lord, when we're tempted to skip church, lay out of Sunday school, slide in when we feel like it, come when we just feel like it. God, help us to realize the devil's bait. And God, that your gifts are so much better than the devil or Satan's bargains. Lord, help us. Help us to remember these four barriers to temptation. That we could be unspotted from the world and have a good testimony. Bottom line, that would glorify your name and exalt you as a yielded, born-again 